4: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. Welcome in to the all-new All Ball. Let's uh, let's start with a couple of things. I want to get to Virginia basketball and why I do believe that this is the year. doesn't mean it's the year they win the national championship, but it is the year, right? Final Four, not crazy. Probably should have gotten there last year. Unbelievably dominant last year, with exception, obviously, the UMBC loss. And we saw what they did to Virginia Tech with the assumption that there'll be something like that, something like that against Duke. That doesn't mean there will be against Duke this weekend, although Duke's all banged up. But, and this is a big but, I do believe this is the year to which they climb the mountain to at least get to the Final Four. I'll get to that in a moment. First, I want to talk about a team that has been discussed a lot, and that's the L.A. Lakers. I went to see them in person against the Chicago Bulls, and I understand that quality of opponent does matter in your evaluation. Like, anyone who says that doesn't matter... Is just kidding themselves. Um, quality of opponent absolutely matters. So here's the, the first thing. I realize the Bulls aren't good. And I realize that the Lakers only won by seven. They were up 17 points with, I don't know, two minutes and change to go when the Bulls decided to to sort of call off the dogs in terms of taking their starters out, but went to all their young players and decided to press full court. And that's when the Lakers kind of asleep at the wheel, couple of turnovers, couple of missed shots, couple of missed free throws. You know, they nearly gagged this thing away, got down to five before they end up with a push. It was a seven point line, kind of crazy to watch. And no one got tacos walking away. But, but my takeaway of the Lakers is this. I don't think they're that far off. And I understand that to the outside or to the pundit who looks at it and says, well, Luke Walton's job can be in jeopardy. I haven't heard any of that. Now, it doesn't mean it's not a possibility, but I haven't heard any of that because when Luke Walton had LeBron James healthy, Rondo healthy, Kyle Kuzma healthy, the entire team healthy, they were arguably the third best team in the West and they're probably the fourth best team in the West when fully healthy now. And I actually think that's, One, obviously, dramatic improvement over last year, but about what they were shooting for. Now, it doesn't mean that their roster is perfect. It's flawed in composition. We've discussed this uh, on Fox Sports and Fox Sports Radio. The folks at ESPN have discussed it, which is you don't have enough shooting. And if you watch the team play, they compete hard defensively. Their rotations are sound. Their offensive ball movement is there. Like, all the things are there with the exception of the ball going through the hoop. And to me, that signifies really good coaching that in spite of the fact um, when you when you make shots, usually you guard better. You just do Uh, until you get arrogant, which has happened with teams like the Warriors at times. But when you make shots, it's easy to get guys motivated to play defense because they know on offense, it's going to be fun. It's harder to coach when you're not making shots. And this team really, really defends. The addition of Tyson Chandler has helped shape up the back end. Plus, he shows great leadership. Watch him on the court. He's talking. He's pointing. He's moving. And even though he's not the athlete he used to be, he makes up for it with guile and with intellect. He's he's tremendous. Lonzo Ball on the ball is tremendous defensively as well. Picks up 94 feet. Really athletic. Really active. Good rebounder. Great hands. Takes a couple too many chances, but he does at least compete and play hard. And he's become a pretty good on-ball defender after being a good off-ball defender going to last year. And remember, he's only really played true, uh, re- real defense this last year and a half and only played 50-some-odd games and didn't have an offseason to develop. Uh, Ingram's long, not a great defender, not especially tough, but not terrible. Obviously, Josh Hart competes. He's not a very good offensive player. Kuzma's better, not a good defender, but better than he was last year. And by and large, you go through the roster and they, they compete, they defend. They just don't make enough shots. I, I think what's missing is two things. One, one is a perimeter shooter like a like a J.R. Smith. They just need somebody who opens up the defense and knocks down shots. And then continuing with the shooting theme, they need a stretch five, but not like a slight stretch five. Like They had one with Brooke Lopez. And I, I honestly think that roster composition hurts this team in terms of you know, sometimes you're not playing that well. You just need guys to step up and make shots. And the other part is, I, I do think they should have played Svima Heiluk a little bit earlier in the year. You know, now they're playing him, and I think last night, two of four from three, both both the ones that he missed were rounding out. I, I just, I don't understand playing Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson's entertaining to a fan, entertaining on Twitter, and he dances uh, when he, sometimes when he shoots the basketball or makes a fancy pass but he doesn't shoot the ball well enough to open up the defense. He's not a great defender. He dribbles the ball way too much and he turns it over too much. Like he's, there's a reason that he's in his ninth year and he's been on all these different teams. Like he's just, he's, he's a non-rotation player on this team. And then, you know, I think KCP, he's not really a starter. He's at best a rotation guy. So you have KCP and JaVale McGee as starters most of the time. And neither are really starters throughout their NBA career on real Real teams. I know JaVale started technically on a championship team last year, but look at his minutes. Those are backup minutes. Those guys are backups. It's it's not a great roster yet. And as we've discussed on this pod and on the radio show, which you can listen to daily, three to six Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio and all of our affiliates in the iHeartRadio app. A, a, um, the Lakers weren't granted like the rest of the league didn't say, hey, you can you can pick whatever you want on, uh, and we'll just let you build a team. So it wasn't a blank canvas and I think they were smart to part ways with Julius Randle who he's a backup he, again doesn't stretch the defense not a great defender and needs the basketball and really is a mid-range or downhill sort of player and he doesn't fit into how LeBron plays or he would have hurt Kuzma's minutes at the four so I agree with that I agree with almost every one of the guys that they parted ways with with one exception feels like they should have held on to Brooke Lopez Brook Lopez can guard legit back to the basket centers and has made himself into a viable weapon from three. And look how effective he is playing with Giannis. So I'm not canceling uh, Christmas. I think when LeBron comes back, they'll be um, demonstrably better. I do think they'll lose, you know, Oklahoma City and in Houston. I think he's close to coming back, although groins are tricky and you want to wait longer if you can. That's what the Warriors did with Steph Curry. And obviously the difference is, that the Warriors had Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and the Lakers do not. Um, I think Kyle Kuzma will continue to improve his three-point shooters. He didn't shoot threes in college. I I believe Lonzo Ball continues to get better, even though he didn't have an offseason to improve his game. I think they're pretty close to being an outstanding defensive team. They just need to add a shot maker or two once they get ready for the playoffs. And I do think that move is coming um, even though it won't be some groundbreaking move. All right, let's d- dive in on some college hoop, getting you ready for the weekend. Uh, I'm fascinated to see. I'll be calling the radio broadcast of the Michigan game at Wisconsin as Wisconsin has come uh, much has come back to earth. I know Wisconsin fan was sitting there and telling me what a crazy person I was for last year, saying I, I think the program is. Uh, in a bit of a tough spot, they had lost. You know, guys like Tyler Hero. They thought they were going to get the Hauser boys. Both went to both went to Marquette. I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm not predicting gloom and doom, but look, dude, if you follow college hoops, you know that Wisconsin has had such success, especially landing some of the best kids in the state and landing kids uh, from from the Twin Cities. And Minnesota's done a good job, better job uh, recently, of keeping kids home. And of course, the only kid that they haven't been able to keep home uh, that went to, you know, obviously went to Duke. You you lose one in Trey Jones after losing Tyus Jones to Duke. And uh, th- there have been others as well. Anyway, my, my point is that it's kind of interesting that Wisconsin has come back to earth. And some of this comes from early in the season when, you know, you start out with wins over Stanford and Oklahoma. They were competitive with Virginia. They beat Iowa. You forget that. They had essentially their entire team back, some from injury, and some just, you know, Ethan Happ coming back. But, you know, the team's limited, but just really three guys that can score is, you know, Brad Davison is struggling to get a step. Obviously, Demetri Trice has had some great games and shoots the, I mean, shooting like 46% from three. And then Ethan Hap, you know, some of the defensive weaknesses, and when you have three scores, everybody else is forced to score once you get into league play. But they've lost four out of five. You know, you lose to Minnesota at home, you lose to Purdue at home, you lose to a young Maryland squad, now it's like Michigan comes in. That said, we kind of know how conference play works, right? Like we predict gloom and doom, we say it's over, and then a team has a home game where the number one or number two team in the country comes in and said home team gets a win. And that usually what what takes place? That is usually what takes place. So um, I also think another team that's kind of curious is North Carolina. Here's one that was a little bit ahead of the curve. I know they lost to Texas. I saw that game in Vegas. It was a great game. They lost to Michigan, got kind of stomped by Michigan uh, in Ann Arbor. Lost to Kentucky, and then they had a weird loss to, to, to Louisville. Uh, their issues are basically uh, twofold. One, in order to get their best players on the floor, they got to play Nasir Little, some at the three spot, and they don't shoot it well enough, and he doesn't guard well enough. I mean, it's the Luke May situation, right? Luke May has been so much better than they thought, but there's a ceiling there, and it's interesting. You know, you'll never see you don't see Roy Williams ever go small, which I think you could some with this team. Kobe White's been great, but he's a scoring point guard, and they really don't have another option, so he will take some bad, some untimely and bad shots. And when you when you depend upon a freshman point guard who's a more of a scoring point guard. Sometimes that ends up biting you. I still think Carolina is a second weekend team. Once we get to March, you know, Roy Williams teams generally start guarding better. I do think they're that Nasir Little starting to kind of get it, as everyone says, and they do have some. They do have some talent. They do have some experience. But it's also interesting that a guy like Cam Johnson who comes over from from Pitt. You know, where Kevin Stallings gets fired. You know, the, I had this discussion with a coach. We were talking about about transfers. And the double transfer is like the double divorcee. There is something, too, that the player is as responsible for for a divorce, when, especially when there's two divorces, right? I still think Carolina's going to be okay as Cam Johnson has to learn he's playing in bigger games than he's ever played in before. Ever played in before. All right, So let me give you some picks here for uh, for Saturday's slate of college basketball, which is, in fact, a good one. I told you I think Wisconsin beats Michigan. I don't know why. Probably nothing to back that up other than Ethan Hap's a really tough cover. And uh, I feel like it's a a game played at a much slower Wisconsin pace. And I think that Wisconsin's style of of offense. Remember, Michigan is a great defensive team. Not good. They are great. But if you have Wisconsin where you don't have a point guard who can't shoot and save your Simpson, and you limit him in one shot, and you're playing a possession game, I give Wisconsin a great shot late, even though they've lost two home games uh, two home games of late. All right, let's let's bounce around. Talk, give you a couple other ones. So Wisconsin is a three point dog at home. It's crazy because you look at Michigan; they've shown the ability to win on the road. Uh, they're the best defensive team in the Big Ten, and they're taking on a Wisconsin team that's lost two league home games already. And yet Wisconsin's a three point favorite. I don't know; just something about it makes me think Wisconsin wins the game straight up. Uh, Duke taking on Virginia. And Virginia's been so good. And Duke obviously banged up not having Trey Jones, although Trey Jones is not going to be out as long as people thought. And I, I did. I tweeted this out earlier this week that Zion's the best prospect. R.J. Barrett's probably the better player. Cam Reddish, obviously, the better shooter. And Cam didn't play in their loss to Syracuse. B- but if you go back to that national championship year, you know, they beat Wisconsin. Why? Because Tyus Jones making, making big shots behind the pick and roll. I went or were off the pick and roll when Wisconsin was was, you know, playing off and flat hedging and whatever. You go back to when they beat Virginia that year, Tyus Jones. The passing, the ball handling, the big shot making, and Tyus Jones is a below average pro even though he is a pro, and I think Trey has a chance to be a little bit better, but the point is that sometimes we get so caught up in evaluating players upside that we miss on the fact that upside matters for the draft. It doesn't matter for college basketball, college basketball. It's how do you help your team? And Trey Jones, like his brother Tyus, arguably the most important players on their team, on their respective roster. And I think it's one because they're point guards and two because of their wiring. And I'm not sure it matters in terms of point guard play as much against a team uh, like Virginia. They're going to need Cam Reddish to step up and make shots. That said, Virginia, it just feels like, it feels like, though, this is their year, but this is not their game. I I, I know, that goes against, you're like, well, Virginia's a great defensive team. They are. And they're going to pressure the basketball. They will. But Cameron Indoor on a Saturday night, I don't know, I'm not picking against Duke to lose twice at home in the same week. You?
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
4: and I get tweets about like, hey, remember that time you wore your shorts backwards? I do, actually. I saw Michael Beasley get ready to check into the game for the Lakers, and he didn't have his shorts on. He had some sort of black Lakers shorts, but no game shorts, which, I mean, it happens. I can't believe it happens at the Lakers level. Although, if it was going to happen, and you, if, you, if you're taking bets, there are only three guys on the betting line for the Lakers, right? JaVale, Bees. And Lance. And I'm not sure JaVale actually would have been number one. I think Bees would have been number one. And Bees, of course, would collect the money after that uh, kind of embarrassing entry or delayed entry into the game and the win over Oklahoma City. So people ask me all the time about my shorts being on backwards. And I will now tell you the story. That's what this podcast is for. It's for great storytelling. Um, The story goes a little something like this. We played. I only played Kansas once. My junior year, my senior year, we smashed them by 33 and 19, but we didn't get to play them up there because the big 12 used to have 12 teams. And even when they had 10 teams uh, early, um, excuse me, even when they weren't in two divisions, you still played the North. If you were in the North twice and the South once. And so we didn't get a chance to go up there. So it's my only chance to go to Fog downfield. That's a place that I'll be honest with you. I dreamed of playing one day, you know, I mean, all kinds of orange County, LA guys went and play Paul Pierce and like, I could go Adonis Jordan, played for my dad in a tournament, played against the Russians. Lots of L.A. guys would go. Jock Vaughn, my childhood hero, one of my childhood heroes, went and played for the Jayhawks. So I get to go, ch- chance to go play at Fog Allen That year, my junior year, um, we were picked to win the league, top 10 in the country, and uh, we got off to a sluggish start in conference play. We were seventh with, like, three weeks to go, a month to go, and... We got delayed and ended up flying up day of the game against Nebraska, who at the time was winning the league. Because we won that game and played so well, we went to Coach Sutton and said, hey, Coach, we like sleeping at home, albeit in hotels, and then flying up day of the game. We like that. We don't like like going on the road thing is dumb. So we flew up day of the game, but we got delayed, and so we didn't get a chance to have shoot-around. We just came in town, checked into the holodome, and went to the game a little bit early to get some shots up. And my, my general routine was I would go in, I would put on my undershorts. I had these gray tight shorts or whatever. I'd put on my white, you know, game shorts. And then I'd put on my, my snapaways. Everybody loves snapaways. And then like a t shirt, like a dry fit and go out and shoot. And then I'd come back in before the game and put on my jersey, sometimes like a, a ribbed tee. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say WB anymore, but you know the t shirt I'm talking about. And then put my jersey on, then put my, my shooting shirt on over the top. So I do my normal routine, and I, I you know, I was in a hurry, because I, me and a guy named Adrian Peterson, our third all-time leading scorer in Oklahoma State history, we were geeked out about playing at Fog Out, and we thought we had a chance to win. And so I didn't think twice about it. I never looked at my shorts. The Nike shorts at that time um, were lined with dry-fit material, so they were super comfortable whether on right or on backwards. I get introduced in the game, um, and I had my tearaways on, so I didn't think anything of it. We get ready for the game, and, of course, I did the which is awesome. We start playing. Nobody says anything. I think I even checked in and out of the game before somebody must have seen that my Nike swoosh was on my butt. And I start hearing this, Shorts on backwards! Shorts on backwards! And I thought for sure they were saying, shirts on backwards. Then it got louder and louder and louder. We're at the free throw line, and Adrian Peterson's actually shooting a free throw, and I hear this, Shorts on backwards! So I look down, and I realize that the OSU that's on my left pant leg is not there. And I look up at the student section and they're like nodding their head. And I turn and look over my shoulder. And sure enough, it's on the wrong side of my shorts on the back of my leg. We call timeout and Coach Sutton didn't even know what was happening. And I'm changing my trousers. To this point, to this day, he still believes I did it on purpose to get attention. I did not. I did not know. And I know there are hundreds of thousands of you that said you were watching or at that game. And for the rest of the game, it was shorts on forwards. Shorts on forwards, I wish there was a better story attached to it, but we got screwed in a terrible call against Adrian Peterson. Ryan Robertson jumped into him 40 feet from the basket in overtime on senior night, and that's how we lost to Kansas. I should have taken the shot when the game running with the clock running down. Fred Yase missed a couple free throws. I remember every part about that game, but the only thing anybody remembers is my shorts on backwards. Didn't do it on purpose? Hope you enjoyed All Ball. It's going to be great next week. Please download it, tell a friend, listen to the radio show 3 to 6 Eastern every day, Monday through Friday on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.